I'm Richard Serrett. Join me on Strange Planet for in-depth conversations with the world's top paranormal investigators, alien abductees, Bigfoot trackers, monster hunters, time travelers, alternative archaeologists, remote viewers, and more. As I was on the way to Area 51, I was stopping on the side of the road and just taking measurements, and I found this one spot where time slowed down by a fraction of a second. It's not supposed to do that. From the two big categories, animal mutilations and human abductions, you have to conclude that genetic material is being harvested. Well, I reached for a rifle and uh, I, I turned and looked and it was, it was already moving away and it was descending the bluff. Uh, there's no way any human could have went down it. It was probably a 75 degree angle straight down almost. On Richard Serrett's Strange Planet, we're redefining reality. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Do not go any further. Turn around. Go home. Very early on in my career, I remember being in a locker room and someone made a comment saying like, there's only one reason women should be in this locker room and it's uh, to service me. Today's episode will leave you on the edge of the ring. Is that a good metaphor? Anyway, we got uh, wrestler Rhea O'Reilly, known for her signature move, the readjustment. She was a bit of a coup to get on the show, but wrestling hasn't been all that busy in COVID lockdown times. And as I say this, it's October 18th. It's cold, dark and depressing. And we're all about to go into lockdown again. And I've got a very big mouth ulcer. So it's been one of those weeks and we're all a bit down. But luckily for me and for you listeners, we got superstar Rhea to readjust our mindsets and keep us upbeat. She's a really positive person with tons to say about the wrestling industry. That said, we are going to chat about one of the most underreported social movements, which goes under the speaking out hashtag. It's a bit of a subset of the Me Too movement, but wrestling was left behind by the media a little, which likes to pick and choose what might be relevant. Loads of guys in wrestling were fired in acrimony this year. It's 2020 in case you're listening from the future or the past, in which case sort out those horrible male wrestlers before they do the horrible things they've probably been doing for decades. Uh, sorry, this was supposed to be a buoyant distraction from COVID rather than a reminder of the failings of humanity. Uh, but we do go into a bit of detail on that and it looks like it's, you know, wrestling starting to sort itself out, which, uh, which is upbeat, isn't it? That's an upbeat uh, tone. To, to strike so forget lockdown uh, I didn't know very much about wrestling so Rhea helped to fill me in I did used to love it when I was very young but football ended up overshadowing it by the time I got to like 12 or so and that's no reflection on wrestling it's just that I'm mad about football but I used to wrestle with my friends and my brother Michael and we'd like tag team and all that kind of thing um, I loved The Rock and there was always this thing of like is it a sport or not? Which Rhea talks about in detail and finally, finally, clears a few things up. Rhea was christened. Do people still say that? I don't know. Well, her name was and is Rhiannon, Rhiannon Stephanie Doherty, born in 1985. Uh, warning, you will hear an accent. She's from Northern Ireland. I don't mean to disrespect her. It's just that I always attempt the accents of people on the show because I'm so so bad uh, if, if you haven't caught up with the coffin confessor from uh, australia a few episodes back i insist you don't check that out uh because i do a terrible australian accent but that was my northern irish one and she's been wrestling since 2010 
She also trains, because it's different to Irish, isn't it? It's got like a little bit more dad going on. So, yeah, she, she also trains other wrestlers and is a pretty big name in the industry nowadays. Find her on Twitter easily by typing her name in. She's got a big following and is very active. She's also big on charity and works at The Big Issue, which is a great British newspaper that helps homeless people to earn an income. But for the dark side of Rhea, check out her videos on YouTube. It's different to WWE. It's more like something you'd see in a Guy Ritchie film. It's it's like close and intimate and you like feel every punch, even if they don't actually land, of course. But it's, it's uh, you know, the audience are right there and they're sort of getting involved and all these faces pop in between the ropes and it's really quite scary. Uh, so we talk about that. I mean, it's, it's a boisterous testosterone-filled environment that she's she's in. I mean, it was all men, the videos I've seen, and they're just sort of jumping and, you know, and she ends up sort of fighting the audience. It's really something. Um, but yeah, we talk about that. We talk about Jaffa Cakes. Uh, you'll see what, what I'm talking about. And the Netflix series Glow, which she mentioned only towards the end very briefly. And I've started watching it this week and I'm just like totally hooked. It's It's really quite funny and good and better than I expected. I'd seen it so many times, the big purple writing Glow, I didn't even know what it was. I just never clicked on it. Uh, back at the end to chat about next week's podcast with hypnotist Chris Hughes. By the way, I want to try something different today. There are many thousands of you that listen each week. And I wondered if in return for this wonderful free content you're getting each week, you could do me a huge favor and tell any friends about the podcast, people you think would be really... Do you know anyone who who wants to hear a podcast interview with a psychopath or a, or a pedophile? We've got that and much more. So tell them that. That'll convince them. If each of you could convert just one more subscriber... That would double the listenership, obviously, right? Unless my maths is bad. It seems quite easy, right? Just just do it. Just do it. Then I can go professional as a podcaster and devote all my time to you. If you hate the show, then don't do it. Why would you? You don't want to keep this thing going, right? Uh, but anyway, back to the wonderful Rhea, who seems to be humming a tune. Hello. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. Can you hear me? I'm just fiddling with my microphone. Make sure it's my actual good microphone. <laughs> it is. Oh, God. Right. How's your day going? What's going on? Busy as always. I love logging into my email and seeing that somehow between when I finished work and when I start, I've got like 30 new emails. Like, where did they come from? Who's emailing you? Oh, everyone. It's just work. Work. Yeah. What is work though? Wrestling work you're talking about or charity work? Foundation work. Well, wrestling wrestling work sadly has the quietest in the box ever at the moment. So, huh. oh god, are you not doing much at the moment? <laughs> no. Um, I mean, it's the closest contact thing you can do, really. So, <laughs> yeah, probably not Shit. really happening very much um, while we're in the pandemic. COVID's ruined wrestling. It has. Oh my god! But other sports are going. Yeah, I guess they're. Two things. One is, is wrestling a sport? Oh. Uh, and, um, and and it's like full contact as well. So, um, and also like outside of like something like WWE, who obviously have a lot of money and multi-million pound company, billion, yeah. I don't know. Um, outside of that, wrestling is very independent. It's um, a lot lower budget. So the costing of bubbling people and getting COVID tests for everybody would, 
be over the reach of most promotions. Uh, right. Is wrestling a sport? What do you mean by that? Well, uh, I think that the, the th- it's always sort of been marketed as that sports entertainment. And I think a lot of people that grew up watching wrestling, it always put out this uh, sort of propensity that it was real. Like uh-huh. everything about it, and it is real. Obviously, it's real. We do it. Um, but, you know, it is a predetermined outcome. Um, that isn't a secret anymore. But wrestling used to hide that an awful lot. And and so it is it it sort of sits. I always think of wrestling when I try to explain it to someone who doesn't really know what it is. It's like a live stunt show with a storyline. Hmm. So it's very physical. The risks taken in wrestling are very real. But but it is a, it is part of an ongoing story, and and so it sits in that entertainment. That's always been the challenge, um, and it's still within wrestling. Some people do still argue: is it a sport? Is it art? Uh, I would say it sits more on the performance side of things, mm. personally, and a lot of people will sort of agree with that. But of course, just like something like Cirque du Soleil is performance, but it's very physical. It's very demanding and and again the risks they take are very real so it's it's not taking away from the competitiveness or the yeah. physical the athleticism of it. yeah exactly it's funny though because i i <laughs> i was just thinking for 20 minutes like do i bring that up or not because i remember seeing um did you ever see that louis through documentary on on wrestling oh yeah and <laughs> yes. when he so i remember he i was gonna that was my way i was gonna bring it up after like 45 minutes i was gonna be like <laughs> Uh, so remember that Louis Theroux documentary and he mentioned um, like he asked how people know what moves they're going to do and stuff and then the guy went berserk at him and like made him undergo the training which was intense and obviously he couldn't keep up with it as if but but obviously Theroux had never said it wasn't intense it was just he was wondering how the moves were made and it's yeah there's so much um, I don't know why do people react why did he react like that that guy I think there's a lot of, um, there are a lot of misconceptions about wrestling, of course. And I think it's, it can be really hurtful when people say it's fake because that implies that, that there aren't real risks that like we do make full physical contact. You know, we get injured, we come away with bumps and bruises Mm. and, you know, you wake up and it hurts to get out of bed. (laughs) You know, that people have done even like a really tough workout, you know, when you sit up and it hurts, like you're at like, we wake up like that pretty much every day after we wrestle. Like, so to say it's fake, I think sort of really undermines what wrestling is and what we do. So I think that's where the, the sure. tension of that is it's not that we are trying to say what we do isn't like predetermined and it isn't anything else but it's just yeah when people say it's fake that's when it's it sort of touches a nerve for us more than anything how much is it planned before and how much because I've, I've seen videos of you and it looks like you're responding to the fans and the moment and stuff as well is it a bit of a mix it, yeah it absolutely is a bit of a mix and it will also really depend on a lot of factors like who you're working with you know there are people um, i've been wrestling for 10 years now and there are people i've been uh, having matches with for those whole 10 years and obviously we know each other a lot better we um so we can sort of do things we would call you know on the fly you know uh if you're working someone for the first time or they're a bit newer you might try and plan the entire match out we always like to know what the finish is it's like whatever the end of the match is going to be you want to know how do you tell the story that gets to that moment okay that's the skill in wrestling it's not just putting it together but every single match you have you're telling a story and that's why people get lost in it just like an episode of 
TV, these are all like little mini episodes in a, in a, in a story. So you also have to be really receptive to the fans um, because it is an interactive experience. People come because they want to be involved. They want to cheer. They want to boon. And you do need to respond to that sometimes. Yeah. Uh, I am also personally um, uh, classified as a bit of a brawler. So I do tend to leave the ring and fight out in the audience. Obviously, we wouldn't be doing that right now in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah. But then you know, I got to interact with the things that are happening around me and the environment around me. And so um, there definitely has to be a lot of improvisation that goes into that. And that's why it's so important that, you know, we train regularly because mm. it is very unpredictable movement patterns and, and you need to be able to know how to catch someone safely because at the end of the day, or, you know, take a move safely. At the end of the day, what, well, like I said, it does hurt and, and it is challenging, but we're not actually trying to physically injure each other because we, there's no off season for wrestling. Some people are, you know, in pre Rona times wrestling five times a week. Like you, you're not trying to injure each other, but it's that it's almost like being a magician. You know, you, you want people to see what you want them to see and they have to buy into that too. So it's, um, yeah, it's a lot of work that goes into, to putting on a wrestling match that you can get lost in. It's quite an amazing talent actually thinking about it because it's like, it's like, like you said, it's a mixture of so many different things and it's like improv as well. You've got to think on the spot and sort of communicate to the person that you are fighting with, like what you're going to do. Do you ever sort of find yourself getting frustrated by a partner who's, who's maybe not going the way you, you want it to be going a particular uh, fight? Sure. Of course, sometimes that can happen. I think like with any, with any improv, I always, I have a friend that does improv comedy and it's the same thing. Sometimes you get an idea in your head and you're like, oh, yeah. So they'll be thinking the same way as me and for some but it, but you can't know what they're thinking so yeah it, it definitely you know can be challenging at times um you know there are ways to communicate with each other and and you know try and sort of say like this is where we want to go and stuff but it's not always possible and so yeah. um again it's it's sort of that wrestling sleight of hand you know um but it, you know it can be tricky but that's why we're adaptable and so if this isn't working then you've just got to quickly go okay this isn't happening what can we do instead and so you do um have to sort of have that sort of malleable mindset um that's the thing as well i think wrestling gets um a reputation for you know being fake and all that but it's like yeah we're being really physically demanding we need to be strong we need to be athletic you know a lot of people are doing lots of like high jumping and and like lots of plyometric movement flying through the air jumping off things but you've also we're also acting the whole time we're doing improv um and you know and we're just constantly being pulled in all these different directions you still have the psychological thrill of being a performer at the same time so it's uh yeah yeah, it's there's a lot going on when you're doing a match yeah and i think a lot of people might be imagining if they haven't seen you because i've watched a a few of your clips uh because I grew up watching WWE, which was WWF before the polar bears got in, in the way of that or yeah. something. Uh, and that is so different because there's a huge uh, like gap between, in, in WWE, there's a huge gap between the ring and the fans and stuff. Whereas you've got like, people's faces are like popping up in the between the ropes and stuff. They're so close, which I'm a big football fan. And that's my, you know, I always prefer the stadiums when the fans are right on the pitch because you get such an atmosphere. You can hear what every single person says and as you said you're sort of interacting with them and you're fighting the audience members almost 
Um, I just wondered, like, does that ever become a bit of an issue as well? Like somebody wants to get too involved and they're also, it's quite blokey as well, isn't it? It's, it's, I mean, most, nearly all the fans I saw were men. It's, does that ever become sort of problematic? So the first thing is, I want to say, like, I love having the, clo- like, that close-up audience. It's like, mm. it's so amazing. And I can understand, you know, there are lots of reasons to keep fans away for safety reasons and everything like that. Um, but it is, there is something really fun about, like, being right in it. Um, so we have fans right up against the ring, uh, quite a few promotions in the UK. Yeah. And um, for the most part, it is really, it is fine because people who are coming to wrestling shows, they want to be close to the action, but they still don't want to like be in the action. So <laughs> they are, okay. they are tentative about it. And again, often if we are going to spill out, out of the ring, someone's going to dive over the top rope. There is always like, warnings that shows wrestlers may come out of the ring so <laughs> if you're at the front uh so yeah no, it definitely adds um, a really great element of interaction too because like you said they're right there so you can hear everything they say and i'm like i might look really sweet but i am the most horrible person when i'm a wrestler and so if anyone says anything yeah. you look mental oh i'm gonna <laughs> yeah i'm gonna go for them so um that's good i think it, it kind of like puts that fear element you know we're never going to physically touch fans you know yeah. that's not part of what they're but we're going to get close um and then in terms of the audience yeah i think there are a lot more women coming to wrestling now than there ever have been before much like there are more women training to be wrestlers now than there ever have been before and it's very exciting it comes from the top down you know um WWE and those big companies are having more women in we're also seeing more you know women in things like mixed martial arts and and things like and action films below the tv series which sadly got cancelled because of stupid coronavirus Mm. um they um yeah they weren't able to film any of the wrestling bits because of the covid rules so they they decided to cancel the final season but that show also brought in a whole new audience of women to wrestling who were like wow what show was that sorry it cut out for a second when you said it a glow Okay. On Netflix. Oh, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a wrestling show on Netflix, and it's actually based on a real promotion that existed. There's also a documentary about it on uh, Netflix, and I would really encourage people to check it out. Um, But the show is obviously a dramatized version of that, but um, it really just brought all these women into wrestling that were like, oh, wow, it's not what I thought it was. And, And obviously, Glow, like I said, it's not reflective. It's set in the 80s. It's not reflective of now and it is dramatized but it it did bring in this element of people going actually there's more to it than i realized which was really exciting but it is still a obviously there are occasions where we get hackles which are sort of sexualized and inappropriate um and you know there there will be the ones that take a little chance when they come in for a photo and that hand starts to slip down the back and you're just but most places and I was really great have a zero tolerance policy for that like it is it is one strike and you're out um sure. which it never used to be um which is really great and so uh I think fans are becoming more educated they're becoming more respective or respectable towards the the women in wrestling but there there certainly have been incidences of it but as an industry we're kind of 
fighting back now and saying this is not appropriate. When I grew up watching it, I think the the women were quite sexualized uh, in the American, you know, the WWE thing. It was really it was about how sort of sexual they were, which I felt I, I remember finding very uncomfortable because I was twelve. You know, I just wanted to watch some wrestling, <laughs> yeah. and I was like, I don't really know what to do with these like huge breasted ladies and all of these things. I don't know how to enjoy that alongside the Rock and. Triple H or whatever it was, you know, uh, but yeah, what what you what you seem to, it doesn't seem to like that at all. It's like it really just this sort of hurly burly boxing. You know, can you fight as well? Could could you fight if it wasn't the the scripted stuff? Are you a good fighter? I'd like to think so. Um, I I don't like fighting. I don't <laughs> <laughs> like. I always think that's something really interesting because I think people are like, oh well, they do wrestling, so they must love violence and um. I'm not saying I don't enjoy viewing it. I really enjoy it, but I don't want to be an MMA fighter. Um, but yeah, I mean, a lot of what we do is based in amateur wrestling, which would be like the stuff you see in the Olympics and things like that. So a lot of the stuff we do is is based in legitimacy. And a lot of us do that legitimate training on top of our wrestling training. Yeah, I could certainly take care of myself in a fight. What sort of thing goes into the training? What what are What are you doing each day in training? very different depending on the wrestling style that you you do that there are like like I said I'm a bit of a brawler I like to fight and punch and kick and use weapons and we can talk about that too if you like. oh yeah um, but you know you have people who are very technical and that's um, more about hold for hold wrestling you have people who are high flyers they're they're climbing up to the top of the ring jumping off and doing very acrobatic moves and um, but there are base things that all of that like um we uh, do a lot of training on how to do rolls and like forward rolls. Most people come to training and they haven't done one in about 20 years and it's terrifying. Um, and then they're like, oh yeah, this is fun. And bumping, which is uh, the term we use for when you fall. Um, just like you would do a break fall in judo or anything like that. Um, because it, like I said, we're not trying to actually get hurt. So it's really important, you know, how to land safely. Uh, so that you're sort of distributing the the pain uh, okay. as it were when you land because the, the ring is pretty tough and then yeah like there needs to be a lot of conditioning because matches can go anywhere from like five to 30 minutes normally sometimes they do go longer and but um you know sort of around that and it's very high intense intensity God. the whole time so you really need to like you know you've got to work on your cardio and your breathing and and of course what the thing is is as a match builds, the moves need to get bigger and bigger as you go, right? Because mm. you want the the big crescendo moment at the end yes. when you're the most tired. The readjustment. The readjustment is my finishing move, which I hook the arms of my opponent and then drop them straight on their head. Lovely. <laughs> no one gets up from that. It's nice. So they never get up from that. Is that it? That's it. If you do yeah. the readjustment, because... I remember the rocks big moves every now and then it would be like a huge shock because they would get up from it and you'd be like, oh, you know, but that nobody's ever got up from the readjustment. I'll be honest in the 10 years, one person has got up. Okay. One no, one in 10 years. If that's scripted then, were you pretty pissed off to hear like somebody's going to be getting up from your readjustment? No, I chose that. I chose that. So it's fine. Yeah. Um, it was a really special moment. So it was a match I had last year and it was with someone who had had my first ever match with actually. So again, someone who's uh, been on this whole journey with me and it was a very, it was the common of a storyline that had been going on. Mm. And 
it's very exciting because like they had no one ever kicks out. So it happens and everyone's like, well, there's the end of the match. And the first time ever they didn't. And my face is like, what? I am angry. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, um, you know, it creates this very special moment, but you have to choose those moments very carefully because you only get to, you know, you only get to do that once. And so you have to pick that moment because now it's not, if someone else kicks out now, it's fine because, it, you know, if that doesn't finish someone, it it's happened before. So it's not yeah. so shocking. So you have yeah. to pick those moments really, especially, but um, yeah, a finishing move should be a finishing move. <laughs> yeah, it should be. What's the deal with the steel chairs? Like that's been in all types of wrestling. Everyone, they just love chairs. And it feels like sometimes obviously it would hurt because they get smashed with a chair. They seem, you seem to get smashed with a chair. But then other times it was like, they just sort of, they walk into a chair or their foot hits a chair and they're like knocked out. It's like the chair is like a magic thing that knocks people out. Is that like an unwritten rule? It's not an unwritten rule, but they're just real chairs. So yeah. if you've ever, I mean, I'm not saying no. you should all go around and start hitting each other with steel chairs, but next time you're like somewhere where you have one of those folding chairs, just have a feel of it. They're pretty hard yeah, <laughs> and they do hurt. <laughs> so the, the, the skill is one, don't take too many chair shots, but you'll often see like, we try not to hit each other in the head anymore. Obviously there's been a lot more awareness about concussions, which wasn't there before. Um, if anyone's get you know so you know a lot of the shots will be to the back which is a bigger area to take the hit does it hurt still a lot i don't know it hurts a lot yeah and um and obviously if it's a little bit too low you're you're getting hit in the hip bone if it's like slightly to the center it's right on your spine it you know um if someone does swing at your head protect yourself in some way because those chair shots are real so and um, there is no way to make a fake chair i mean there might be but we yeah. haven't discovered it so God. do you have a theory as to why people are drawn to wrestling just basically getting maybe it's the same as sort of boxing and other things but you're sort of getting getting beaten up and getting hit and stuff is it what drew you to it in the first place i loved the dramatics of it i thought it was so fun like with wrestling um the characters are larger than life and they are the closest I think you can get to real life superheroes and villains. Like there are people that you love and you get to cheer them. There yeah. are villains and you get to boo them. And that is so special. And, and I think there's a couple of things. One, there aren't very many places where you can go and just shout and scream and holler um, where it's acceptable. And it's really acceptable to do that at wrestling. Um, for me, like I love so much that I can be in that ring for even just, you know, 10 minutes and I can make people forget about everything else that is going on in life because they can just have all the vitriol. As I said, I'm the biggest bad guy going <laughs> all the vitriol they have about, I don't know, their job, their bills, anything that's going on in their life. They can forget about that, but they just channel that into hating me for however long I'm out there. And that, and that, that moment you can tell they've just completely forgotten about anything outside of that moment and i think that's something really special that wrestling does i'm just trying to think if there's any psychological thing in there of like as well of, of like you know sadomasochist yeah yeah no i mean I, don't <laughs> I always i'm always thinking about what's going to be fun for the fans and, and i think like yeah. i also um help run a training school and it is it's really fun to sometimes i'm just like all right everyone's gonna come in and 
beat me up for a minute. And I'm just like, I think everyone dreams about like, you know, sometimes like, I don't know, taking a chair or whatever, beating up their boss. Yeah. <laughs> you know, a lot of people probably are like, huh, I'd love to do that. And you can't do that. Right. And yeah, so I think yeah. wrestling can be a really nice like release for that. You get to see people doing these things. Um, I think there's some of that getting beaten up as well. Because I used to wrestle with my mates, you know. Right, of course. Yeah. Your mates and your and their brothers, their little brothers and stuff, and would do little tag team things and all that kind of thing. And there was there was a thrill of like getting the hits as much as there was giving the hits. It's an adrenaline rush for sure. And I think it's like sort of any sort of physical sport that you have. It's a, it's a way to release, right? Some people like to go do meditation and yoga. I like to expend excessive amounts of energy. Um yeah. <laughs> Uh, predetermined fights <laughs> nah. so I think and, and it's something I've definitely like I really missed during like lockdown I think I've realized it more than ever um that you don't have this way to release all this energy um there, there's just for me there's nothing like that adrenaline rush from wrestling because it is exciting it is risk-taking you know but you know it's calculated risk who who decides who the predetermined part who decides because you are, are you not tempted to be like ah, oh, i'm gonna win again and get another belt nah. <laughs> it's not <laughs> i think like that's if it was a, a sport yes you would be very much but like win and loss doesn't matter because you're just working together to tell a story uh usually the promoters will decide um, the outcomes of those matches and that will either be based on the structure of the entire show yeah. to make sure that it, it flows nicely like the bad guys aren't all winning the whole way through um or if um it's a promotion that's running like a longer storyline over several shows you know you want to have those moments that take you to where you need to get to if an episode of tv ends and you're like oh everything's wrapped up cool you don't need to watch anymore uh -huh. the tv that sucks you in is the cliffhangers right you're like i want to know what happens next yeah. and it's the same with wrestling a few decades ago private citizens used to be largely that private what's changed the internet. Think about everything you've browsed, searched for, watched or tweeted. Now imagine all of that data being crawled through, collected and aggregated by third parties into a permanent public record. Your record. Having your private life exposed for others to see was once something only celebrities worried about. But in an era where everyone is online, everyone is a public figure. To keep my data private when I go online, I turn to ExpressVPN. Did you know there are hundreds of data brokers out there whose sole business is to buy and sell your data? The worst part is they don't have to tell you who they're selling it to or get your consent. One of these data points is your IP address. Data harvesters use your IP to uniquely identify you and your location. But with ExpressVPN, my connection gets rerouted through an encrypted server and my IP address is masked. Every time I turn ExpressVPN on, I'm given a random IP address shared by other ExpressVPN customers. That makes it more difficult for third parties to identify me and harvest my data. And the best part is how easy ExpressVPN is to use. No matter what device you're on, phone, laptop or smart TV, all you have to do is tap one button to get protected. So if, like me, you believe that your data is your business, secure yourself with the number one rated VPN on the market. Visit expressvpn.com slash heretics and get three extra months for free. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash heretics. Go to expressvpn dot com slash heretics to learn more. Hey, it's Andrew. If you're enjoying Heretics, there's another podcast I want to recommend to you, especially if climate change, global conflicts and an upcoming election are making you feel like we're on the brink of disaster. What Could Go Right is hosted by Progress Network founder Zachary Carabell and executive director Emma Varvalukas. 
on What Could Go Right, the hosts sit down with expert guests to discuss the world's most pressing issues without resorting to pessimism or despair that we hear so often. Instead, they look back at how far society has come and look forward at what it will take to achieve an even brighter future. Is progress on the way? They may not have all the answers, but on what could go right, they're asking the key questions. Tune in to hear interviews with upcoming guests like writer Coleman Hughes, CNN host Fareed Zakaria, and economist Alison Schrager. If you're looking for a weekly dose of optimistic ideas from smart people, join them every Wednesday on What Could Go Right, available wherever you get your podcasts. God. How did you decide in like your character and to be like a bad person and, and all of that stuff? Was that with the with the promoters or was that like you? Came, did you? What was it like when you first came to them? Did you like come along and go, hey, I'm, can I wrestle with you? Like, can I be one of your wrestlers? <laughs> yeah, yeah. There were very few women around. I didn't really interact with many. And then um, a promotion called Eve came along, and it was a all women's wrestling promotion. And I went and did a training weekend that they ran before their first show. And that's how I met the promoters and, and everything. So it was really, really exciting. And it was the first time I met a lot of uh, women that wrestled as well. So mm. and it was really great. And then I got a call from the promoter and not long after that being like, we're going to put on our first show. We want you to be on it. And that was my debut show. So it was, it was really exciting. And oh. um, I was just like so excited for everything. And so I was, I wasn't a bad guy. I haven't always been, I haven't always been bad. <laughs> um, so I was, I was a good guy when I started and, and uh, it kind of just developed over time. I just happened to be really good at it. Um, who knew I would be so, I am so good at making people hate me. So um, I kind of, yeah, became that way over time. Wow, it's such a cool career being a wrestler. But then also, uh, you broke your ankle, didn't you? What was what happened there? Yeah. So, uh, like I said before, wrestling um, comes with injuries. It, the risks we we uh, take are very real, and uh, I it's never ne- not 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 never. It's not always these big moves that cause these injuries. So basically, I was having a match, and um, I came down to the ring. It was a very heated match. So me and my opponent did not like each other. There'd been a lot of buildup of animosity between us. Mm. And uh, I was standing on the edge of the ring on the outside. So just standing, we cut the ring apron and I was standing there. And from inside the ring, she came running at me, pushed me off the ring and I fell to the, to the ground. Um, it's a concrete floor there. And I just landed badly. My ankle rolled and I, I thought I'd sprained my ankle. Felt pretty bad. But uh, but I was like, oh, I'll see if I can stand on this. We'll see what's happening. Um, and, uh, and I managed to be able to stand on it. My boot, I think, was holding it really um, well together. So I did the match, um, which included um, oh. catching her multiple times, getting put through a table, uh, all sorts of stuff. Um, so I did the whole match retained. I was the champion at the time and I retained that title. So I, I won the match Mm. and then I I got upstairs um, into the changing room afterwards into the locker room. And I was like, my ankle is really hurting me. And everyone was like, yeah, yeah, we get it. You rolled your ankle. And I was like, no, no, it's really sore, but Mm. I kind of just ignored it. Because obviously why would you, I I don't know. I didn't think it was broken. And then I like, 
went home. I woke up in the middle of the night and I've never had it, but like I was drenched. It was cold sweat. Uh, I was just felt really ill. I was like, wow. this is not good. And I woke up in the morning and I couldn't put any weight on it. Oh my God. I, I went to, so I went to A&E and, um, I was like, oh, I think I've you know done something to my ankle. I still was like, I think it's just a really bad sprain. I'm sorry if I'm wasting your time. And the the consultant turned around and went, shut up, you've broken your ankle. I was like, oh, he's like, I don't know how you walked on that. So I can't believe he told you to shut up. He did tell me to shut up. <laughs> wow. Because I was literally just babbling, being like, I'm, I'm sure it's just his brain. I think I knew deep down something worse. So I was like, I'm sure it's just his brain. I'm sorry I'm wasting your time. Yeah. Um, so, um, and I broke the um, hardest bone to break in your ankle. So that was really exciting. You were out for nine months, weren't you? Yeah. So I was, um, I was on bed rest for a whole month. They didn't even want me to walk because they were trying to see how much I could heal and that going from something where I'm so physically active all the time to that was really, really tough. Um, but I, yeah, I knew I was going to be out for nine months, which, um, well longer probably. Um, I knew I was going to be out for a long time. Um, and it was really heartbreaking to sort of have to be forced to take that, um, time away. Um, it was really, really hard. Um, but I also realized that I was like, okay, I know I need to figure out something to do because I can't wrestle. Yeah. And it opened up this other great door for me uh, where I went and started working in the charity sector as well. Um, so I started working for the Big Issue Foundation, which yes. is the char- charitable arm of the Big Issue. And I'm still there. Uh, I did start that job going, okay, I am here for a year until I am injury free and then I'm out of here. But I fell in love with the people. I fell in love with the work. Mm. And when it was time for me to come back into the ring, I was like, okay, I've got to find a way to make both of these work. And what's been really great is they've been really, they've been really accommodating, um, which is, which is fantastic. Um, So I'm like doing all this uh, sort of, uh, charity work by day and then I'm a horrible monster beating people up <laughs> that's great when you're off to, I mean do you have things like uh, in wrestling is there the same kind of in, in other sports you know with insurance and stuff do you get paid while you're not working and that kind of thing if you're injured um so for the longest time there was there was nothing in place there and again it was this like huge divide of wrestling's sport wrestling's and uh, entertainment performance mm. what is it so no one wanted to touch us um we were very lucky. Um, a lot of work went into um, making something happen for us. And last year, Equity, which is the performers union in the UK, were yeah. able to accept wrestlers as as members. Oh, great. It's like the J- Jaffa Cake debate, isn't it? It is. Yeah, that is the perfect way to describe it. <laughs> is it a cake or a biscuit? Is it wrestling? Is it a sport or, or uh, theatrics? Yeah. So, um, yeah, their equity have been really amazing, especially one guy there, Steve Duncan Rice, really sort of campaigned and fought for us. Equity were happy to have us as members before then, and, and you could be a member. However, the insurance wasn't available to us because the insurance company we're like, no, it's a sport. We they won't cover it. Um right. so we hit a really huge milestone last year when we finally were able to convince the the insurance company that equity use that it, it is performance. Yeah. And so now um if you become a member of equity, there is coverage for you there. Um but yeah, that, uh, until last year that was non existent, you know. So um it's very wow. it, 
a huge step, I think. It feels like you just in the wrestling, at least in in the UK, has like had to un- overcome like step after step after after step. I mean, is it? Am I right in saying that female, all female wrestling was banned until the nineteen eighties? Yeah, you couldn't wrestle in London as a woman. In the yes, why not? <laughs> um, there was a ban for a long time, and actually, Eve were the first people to run an all women show in London. And that was only a few years ago. So it's... <laughs> Why is that? Why was it banned? I guess it was just a bit too violent, wasn't it? For women. Women shouldn't be doing those sorts of things. Oh my um, God. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so men were still allowed to wrestle, but women weren't. And and it's a constant struggle. I mean, it still is like a male-dominated industry. And uh, But I think there are leaps and bounds that are being made. There are women are... are now sort of getting more opportunities and shows instead of being that one token match uh promotions that have all women on them uh, enable women to be every kind of wrestler you'll remember like growing up you saw all these different kind of wrestlers but like you said the women were always just there we would call it we would say for tna for the tits and ass right yeah, um, yeah. Now, now women can be the they can still be that because that's great, but they can also be like the technical wrestler. They can be the brawler. They can be the comedy wrestler. They can be the, you know, character wrestler. Like there, there's those opportunities uh, are finding, are finding their way. And a lot of promotions are starting to do more intergender matches, which is when, uh, you know, men and women wrestle each other. Um, There always is some controversy around that, but within mm. wrestling at the end of the day we're like we're both performers we both we all train yeah. the same amount so why couldn't we have interesting matches together so there's a lot of opportunity happening and i think because we saw these opportunities happening we thought wrestling had become a better place for women because unfortunately just like all the other parts of the entertainment industry wrestling you know has had a lot of misogyny and abusive behavior I was going to ask you about that because that was called that was the speaking out movement, right? Yes. So tell us a bit about this speaking out movement. Yeah, all of this sort of culminated in the speaking out movement, which which happened. It started on social media um, during lockdown. Uh, uh, A woman very bravely came forward and told her story about a specific wrestler, and um, I think because everyone was at home, people jumped on the back and went this of it and was like this is completely unacceptable this shouldn't be happening um uh a former wrestler Sierra Loxton who's very you know uh, broke her back at the age of 20 in the ring if you want to talk about like the realities of this hmm. she really leapt on this and created this hashtag speaking out right because she said enough is enough we we shouldn't be experiencing um sort of abusive uh, behavior within the wrestling industry uh, towards well anyone but you know specifically towards women at the time yeah. and uh because it's always been a boys club it's been really hard i think for any of us to really stand up and say like this shouldn't be happening because we came in and it was always that way and and we just didn't feel like we had a voice it was really it, you know it was really difficult because um sierra actually came up and said she put out a tweet saying like if she hadn't broken her back and wasn't out of wrestling she wouldn't have spoken up mm-hmm. and i think that says more about the culture that wrestling had developed than anything what and what is that culture what's what just sort of- like these behaviors and act- 
and, and activity like that's just the way they are you know like um you know, very early on in my career I remember being in a locker room where um there was woman one woman's match which I was in mm-hmm. and someone made a comment sort of within not towards us but with an earshot saying like there's only one reason women should be in this locker room and it's uh to service me so there was always you know always these snide side remarks and unfortunately some of that turned into actions against a lot of women in wrestling Hmm. and I think um you know it's it's always been there it's been prevalent I think a lot of us that have been around for a longer time thought things had got better but unfortunately the speaking out movement showed us that things just hadn't got any better than they were and um all the women that sort of came forward were very brave and it was a, it, it was a really dark moment for wrestling to yeah. go all oh, this is all happening however because now it's out in the open it created this amazing opportunity for us to go enough is enough things need to change we need a bit of professionalism in wrestling a lot of think of a lot of this goes on because there's there's just no regulation a lot of people say like wrestling is like the wild west because mm. there are no there are no rules and because of this like are you sport are you art there has been no regulatory body there's no one to be accountable to um so off the back of speaking out some really good things have happened though um again we worked well with equity they um helped us to come up with five pledges that we wanted promotions to adhere to before we would go work for them right. and a lot of promotions have actively gone you know done things to like brought in safeguarding policies to put in place um things that you would expect to have in any workplace, but just didn't exist in wrestling, you know? Um, So, so that's really excellent. And then a lot of people behind the scenes work together and an all party parliamentary group has also been created uh, for the first time for wrestling. Mm. And they have recently launched an inquiry. So this is the first step um, in like what will be a long process. This is a marathon, not a sprint, but it's the first time. I mean, when I, I heard, um, uh, MP Alex Davis Jones step up in um, Parliament and talk about wrestling and the speak a guide movement. I almost cried because I was just like, I never thought some someone would with any form of power would care. People should care, and I think something that you know, our mutual friend James McMahon, he he put mm. us in touch, um, and he was saying it's just like incredibly underreported. E- even so, yeah. even with the speaking out movement, it was like on one or two articles somewhere, and like people just didn't pick it up. Why do you think that is? Like people don't like rest. They don't like to talk about wrestling because it's. I think it's for all the same reasons. It fits into this little. It doesn't fit into anywhere. That's a problem. It fits into this little odd space where no one really knows where to talk about it and part of that has been wrestling's fault because they hid behind what we call kayfabe for so long where we were trying to hide you know it's the secrets of wrestling you know and and i think that um you know a lot of work has been done to sort of reverse that but it still exists there and a lot of people have misconceptions about wrestling um the BBC News uh, or BBC Sport even put, did put up an article about it um, a couple of weeks ago and it had some video testimonials from a couple of women as well. And the comments underneath were like, oh, I can't believe the BBC are calling wrestling a sport. Um, right. you know, it, or it, it wasn't, I was like, 
that's what you're taking away from this. <laughs> Things are happening and it's hurtful for us because we, we aren't seen as um, sort of legitimate in any way. I think it, it's um, like heartbreaking for us as well that we saw, you know, uh, I, I'm sure many people will have seen the ad that the the government put out about the ballet dancer and how her next job yes. is going to be in cyber, um, which they have removed, <laughs> but the dance yeah. is done. They put that out there. But I think wrestling has always been seen that way. Wrestling has never been seen as like something you could have as a legitimate career. And people do like people make a living off wrestling. It's a full-time job. There's just so little understanding about what wrestling actually is. I can see how it's, yeah, it's sort of, between two places there isn't it i can see how like yeah. obviously it was the wrong thing for people to take from that article on bbc sport but i can see i can imagine the bbc sport editor thinking is this for us or is it for sort of culture and entertainment like who's supposed to be yeah. reporting this yeah absolutely and that's um that's al- that's always going to be a challenge um you know it, i i think because it yeah. does because it, it does sit in both places um and, yeah. and that, you know, it's been marketed, as I said, as sports entertainment for a long time. What does yeah. that even mean? I'm not too sure. <laughs> <laughs> I used to be really entertained, but I used to always play the PlayStation games and everything. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But so what kind of thing was, I mean, was was there like sexual harassment? Is that what we're talking about with like the way men were treating women in the industry? Absolutely. I mean, I think the example I gave is something yeah. that would be happening all the time, Um there would be comments, people would say women don't belong in wrestling. And then it would go further because like, I, I remember being at a show and being like, oh, this is all well and good, but you know where the real money in women's wrestling is, is topless women's wrestling. And it was like, oh, thanks. Yeah, that's, oh that's what God. I'm for. Was, um, was somebody suggesting that as a genuine idea? Yes. And someone, yes. And it was a wrestler, you know, where they're like, why don't you go just do mud wrestling or, you know, all these yeah. things. And I, why would you... Unless you think that's a way that men should be wrestling, then yeah, well, you know, it, it, what's the difference? And bottomless men's uh, wrestling without trousers. Yeah, or well, I mean, I guess they do do that. Um, <laughs> do they? What naked wrestling? A lot of men wrestle in just trunks, so I guess they don't have a top on. No, but I mean, if they were to sort of reveal their genitals or whatever, I mean, well, no, I'd like to hope that's not happening. Um, well, it must be somewhere. <laughs> Every, everything happens somewhere, right? Everything's happening somewhere, right? Yeah. But um. So I think that's the, you know, that is, that's where it began. And, and because of what I was saying about wrestling earlier, where we're almost like superheroes and villains, there's a lot of wrestlers, they get in their ring and they are adored. You know, these people have hundreds of thousands of followers and fans and, and that sort of power dynamic yeah. can go to their head and people can be in awe of them too, because they are amazing and they do these wonderful things um it creates this power imbalance and i think that um you know that has also led to inappropriate situations and and i'm I'm talking you know it starts as sexual harassment but this has gone all the way to rape and it is on a spectrum but er, just like when when me too happened i think a lot of men were shocked because they almost every woman you know has experienced something Mm. on that sort of spectrum of of sort of harassment to abuse and i think that was really shocking for people and but to to know that it was happening in wrestling which this there's this community where people think it is a bit of a close-knit community and it's something people are really passionate about it was heartbreaking because people's heroes people people's actual heroes were being brought down 
by um, stories and um, accusations of things that were were happening and they were very legitimate like WWE released people from their contracts and said we can't work with you anymore people mm. people were removed from companies um who were like the male the mostly male fan base siding with did you find I think there was a small proportion obviously again when someone you I, when you see or hear something terrible about someone you idolize you don't want to believe that it's true and there yeah. was a small proportion of that, but actually the majority of the fans were on the side of the women. They were horrified that the women that had experienced these things, and it, it wasn't just women. There were also men and non-binary people that um, were victims of this um, harassment and abuse, but it was, you know, it's majority women. Um, fans just were horrified that this was happening and they didn't yeah. want it to be happening. They didn't want their heroes to be the people that were doing these things and they didn't want their heroes to be the people who were the recipients of these um actions so actually the fans were very strongly behind um the people that were speaking out and i think there is there's always a fear you know we look at um the conviction rates for rape in this country um you know they're very low they have been for a very long time and and it is almost unless you have physical evidence it's always going to be an us versus them it's two people's voices and sure. so i think always really hard for women to publicly tell these stories and it was scary because i think people were worried that they wouldn't be believed yeah and um, because you know people have tried to speak out before and it was kind of hushed up and shut down and um this time it was like, no, we're going to listen to these voices and we're going to believe them. And we're going to take this opportunity to make wrestling better and safer for everybody. It's not just about getting rid of the bad eggs who've done these things, but it's about changing the culture of wrestling entirely so that these things are not acceptable within, um, you know, within where we work and within our community. It sounds very positive. I, th- I feel like you're quite positive. So do you now, you were saying there are, there are male-female matches now. That's a strange one, isn't it? Because you don't get that in boxing and, and things like that because yeah. of, I suppose the, the unfair sort of testosterone, is that right, that a, that a man has? Right. Historically, yes, women always sort of won those sort of intergender fights. Um, but again, it's about trying to get people to recognize that we're all performers, yeah. that we're all together to create these stories i suppose it could seem quite problematic for some people like seeing a a guy just like beating a woman with a chair yeah i mean you know i think like there are considerations that you take into those matches you know when you when you're having them but uh you know so you might consider like this this move might not be appropriate and it depends like if you're Mm. an over 18 show versus a family friendly show you might change Right. what you're doing within those matches as well. Um, but yeah, I think it, it's, it's about sort of looking at those those matchups that you make. I mean, I'm I'm like, what, five foot seven? I'm not like super petite. There are men in wrestling that are the same size as me. So why right. couldn't we have a fair fight? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like I said, it's all predetermined, but like, why couldn't we, you know, have that? Fair enough. Um, I mean, my girlfriend does Krav Maga. She would beat the shit out of me. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's legit badassery right there. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm six foot three. And she's, I think she's also five seven. But uh, yeah, she just, she, it, you know, it's so mad though, because it's literally just like 
poking my sides and stuff like that. She knows mm-hmm. exactly where all the points are. Have you have you seen much Krav Maga stuff? Yes, yes, yeah. It's fantastic. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. If I wind her up or annoy her or anything, I get a jab like somewhere and it's so painful just completely disarms me not that i'm armed but you know just (laughs) (laughs) yeah no i know what you mean but it's the same thing like there are wrestling holds like there's a wrestling hold you can do on a wrist and if Mm. i grab your wrist in a certain way i can take you to the floor no matter how big you are oh my god do you practice on friends ever oh yeah of course it's fun (laughs) as long as you're not gonna hurt anybody it's like it's just quite fun like when you it's you know it's the same thing like with crab guy you can do sort of joint manipulation where there are certain pressure points if you push on that you have no choice but to like go to the floor (laughs) (laughs) people are scary man man i could never win any (laughs) fight ever i'm so scared of i couldn't do what you do 100 percent. no way flying around like that so I respect it. I really, it's it's fantastic. I think. What? Who was your idol growing up? Then did you? Ha- would there be anyone I might know? Well, it's 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 funny because she's probably the most unlike me as a wrestler. But growing up, the person I was a huge fan of was Trish Stratus. Yeah. Um, she was. Um, she came into WWE as a manager, right. so she wasn't a wrestler. She had no wrestling background. Um. And she came in as a manager and then very quickly went, I want to be a wrestler. Right. And um, she is one of those women who has the bleach. She had the bleach blonde hair and yeah. the uh, large breasts. And Enormous. It's very sexual. Um, yeah. I'm looking at pictures now. Sorry. Yeah. She then, she then was like, um, she's a very smart woman. She um, was doing like a medical degree and then there was uh, these big, strikes in Canada and she wasn't able to finish her studies and also you know she's a very smart woman and but she was like I want to wrestle and what I loved so much about her was seeing that development like she was passionate she was like getting you know to shows early so she could train before shows she was training on her days off she she really wanted it and she went from from this manager to being one of like the most celebrated women in wrestling up to that point. Uh, And she became an amazing performer, an amazing wrestler. Um, And she was the reason I got into wrestling um, just because I, some of the things that she did, uh, you know, I were like, I just was so in awe of like her journey and where she came from to where she got to. That's cool. Do you think, would you ever be able to go to WWE or something? How does one sort of make that, transition or would you would you want to do that i'm really happy where i am (laughs) i think WWE creates um, amazing opportunities um you know i have a lot of friends that are working especially on the uk branch and nxt uk and they're doing wonderful stuff and creating this amazing product Hmm. and they they do just like a lot of other things they do tryouts and you know they they are always watching what's happening on the scene and they do tryouts and they invite people to come along and 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 do that um I'm, but I mean, I, I think, you know, I'm, I, if it had been like 10 years ago, for yeah. sure. Now I'm really passionate on, on, about sort of making the scene better, um, yeah. independent scene better. And I'm really passionate about training, uh, training the women, you know, I'm, obviously it hasn't been happening this year. There's been, we, we shut down in March, but you know, we were, I was running weekly training for women alongside um, another wrestler and and I really want to get back to that. I want to help bring the next generation of wrestlers into the industry and into the community. And I want it to be a better place for them. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Rhea. 
It was so great to speak to Ria and to finally get some clarity about whether wrestling is a sport or not. I think we agreed on it being more theatrical. It's a performance, but not a sport. Even though you have to be quite sporty. Wait, is that clarity? I think that's clarity. It's a, it's a theatre. It's a, it's a theatre. It's a theatre. Thanks for the review by a case file fan. Uh, I'm not sure if it's a sincere one or not because it might just be somebody involved in the case file podcast who wants the name case file is some podcast, uh, you know, plastered all over my review page. But I'll take what I can get. They said one of a kind dash brilliant. Thank you for this podcast. It's varied and fascinating. Some really interesting guests discussing frequently controversial themes. That's very nice of you. Thanks very much, Casefile fan. And it also got I got a good tweet from Laura Elliott. Uh, remember last week I asked if you could tell me something other than just superlatives and the five star reviews. Uh, and I want to know things like you know where are you listening to this? And I want to that's that's what I really want to know because I want to be able to envisage where you all are when I'm talking. Because at the moment, like I said, I'm just in my flat talking to the walls with a little microphone in front of me. I want to know where you guys are. Laura really gets what I'm talking about. She came up with a great one. It's my favorite of the messages. She said about last week's episode with TV historian Tessa Dunlop, what a refreshingly, she's American actually, so what a refreshingly open conversation from Tessa Dunlop. She could have fun in a paper bag and so much knowledge shared. Oh, it's going horrible. So much knowledge shared. This is uh, still talking though. She embodies, oh, fuck me. She embodies my theory that flirtation and charisma are each the other. So keep it up. I once finished your pod in rabbit hash. KY brackets yeehaw weird enough question mark the brackets were from her yeehaw KY I, I soon realized meant Kentucky as in uh, you know the, the state and the, the thing at the beginning of KFC but what was rabbit hash so I asked her what rabbit hash was and she said it's a town and they currently have an election for a dog as mayor brackets we were there to vote she didn't say whether her vote was of the canine variety or not. Uh, but please, more of that. That's exactly the kind of thing I want to be hearing from people. And remember what I was saying at the beginning, be my marketers, please. I can't afford to keep up with the big production companies and their big Hollywood marketing budgets. But if you've listened this far, then you're one of my most dedicated listeners. So just think of uh, one or two people you know who would like this kind of ridiculous podcast and please set about convincing them, uh, converting them, baptizing them to the On The Edge with Andrew Gold podcast. Next week, it's hypnotist Chris Hughes. Uh, I've always been fascinated by hypnotism and I've seen a lot of his work and he's brilliant and I want to ask him things like how exorcism works and how all that priest stuff works, you know, when they like cure someone's blindness and all that kind of mad stuff. Uh, and, you know, Darren Brown's obviously done a lot of that too. But Chris is really cool because he also does these big virtual hypnotism sessions that work through your computer screen and have livened up corona lockdown for tens of thousands of people. So that's Chris Hughes next week. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.